0: Hello and welcome to the Calvary Chapel Southeast podcast. Thank you for joining us for our summer series titled, When God's People Pray. Being consistent in prayer is a struggle for many believers, yet the Bible makes it clear that the church should be called a house of prayer. Jesus promises to do a powerful work in and through us if we would simply humble ourselves and seek his face. That's what this series is all about. Grab your Bibles and let's jump in. Good evening, let's try that one more time, good evening, thank you, there we go, there we go, good to see you tonight, um, it's been a while, it's home, Liam, I'm like, man, it's been a while since I've been here on a Wednesday night, like teaching, and um, yeah, but it's been, it's, it's good, I'm really excited, tonight is our first out of, I mean, it's six weeks, right, Nathan, six weeks, <laughs> I should know these things. Um, Looking at prayer, I've asked the the worship team just to stay on the stage, and um, they could be sitting up here for a long time or a short time, like we don't know, but uh, we're calling it When God's People Pray, and... um, I, my family and I, we left on vacation to head down to Southern California in April. We left Easter Sunday right after church. And before I had left, I said, Nathan, would you um, start helping me brainstorm the summer series? Like, you know, summer's always coming. We always kind of break away from our Through the Bible series just for a few weeks. And um, I came back, and Nathan's like, Here's seven amazing options. No, he didn't say amazing, but he's like, Here's seven ideas that I kind of came up with. And I said, Those are great. Let's put them, you know, let's put them in the uh, the library for later or whatever. You know, I said, and I said I have something else in mind. So I just have something else in my heart. So I kind of felt bad. Um, Nathan's kind of getting, I think, understanding that part of my personality that I might ask him to do something and then completely change it after he has a detailed plan. (laughs) But thank you, Nathan. I he has. We've got some great other series like in store if the Lord calls us (laughs) to do that. But anyways. Anyways, um, headed to California. Let me, let me lead you up to why we're here tonight. We're in the car, I'm driving, I-5, headed south, and my wife and my kids are, um, are asleep. And like I said, I think this was Easter Sunday, so we're probably still in Oregon at the time, and just really praying over our church. Um, I was praying for the future of our church, knowing that a you know, transition was happening, we were in the middle of one, and... Um, it was one of those times in prayer where there was a lot of me talking, not audibly, but I was just like, Lord, how about this? And Lord, this. And I'm just kind of like, you know, not complaining, but just like burden in my heart. Like, Lord, I want to see this happen. And like, what, what would you do here? And But then there was like this time where I there was all listening and I had my earbuds in. And sometimes with the new like Apple headphones, like you can like, there's like this transparency mode you can turn on and off. And so they actually kind of um, second as like, um, Earplugs, um, which is really great. So like, I can just—I re- don't know if we should—I should admit that, like, that I like listen, have earplugs in when I'm driving. But you know, I just kind of like transparency mode, turn it off, and then I can just really hear um, hear my thoughts. Just kind of really pay attention to what the Lord was was speaking. So a lot of listening. Um, zoning out. And that's where this prayer series was really birthed, was driving I-5 in Southern Oregon, headed to California, because the Lord spoke to me so clear. And he said something like this. I actually journaled it. So I actually, this week, went back to my journal and to, to kind of get the report of what I journaled at the, not in that moment, but when I got to the hotel, I journaled. But uh, this is what the Lord told me. It says, Ryan, I was really just praying for our church. like that was like the burden on my heart. It was the church. And um, you know, Ryan, that, that Calvary Chapel Southeast, CCSE has a rich history, and we do. Three decades of fruitful and faithful ministry. And the Lord gave me this picture. He doesn't normally give me pictures, but I had this picture, this vision of like all a, a roaring bonfire. And the ministry here over the past 30 years, that's what it represented. It was this roaring bonfire that was, inc- it was just an incredible thing. And over these three decades, the wood has been burnt and it's done its job. It's kept people warm. It's brought light to many Again, after three decades, what remains are amazing, just powerful testimonies and stories of God's faithfulness of this roaring fire. And and now, and I'm praying through this, like, okay, we're, we're heading into a new chapter, a new season for the church. And I kind of got this picture of like embers or coals, like being transferred from like one, one area to like a new plot. And I don't know if that's a Boy Scout thing or like you never do that, but I don't know. Like, I'm like, we're just transferring things. This is like a new chapter. After a new season, and the Lord asked me, I just remember it so point blank, Ryan, are you content about just hearing about the fire? Are you content with just hearing about the amazing stories of the past 30 years, or do you wanna be a part of the next blaze that I wanna do? And I said, Of course, Lord, like I want to see this fire uh, burn greatly. I wrote down in my journal, Lord, I want to feel it. I don't want to just see it. I want to feel it. I want to be moved by it, be blown away by it. Like, you just, if you ever go to like have this roaring bonfire, it's just like, man, you don't get close because it's just like it's popping and it's just crazy. And the Lord told me so clearly, Ryan, in order to see, uh, you know, this next season of a blazing fire, it won't happen by throwing a ton of logs on it right away. It doesn't matter, Ryan, how pretty, like you stack the logs, uh, you know, for the fire. It doesn't matter how hard, like you work at trying to recreate what this, what this bonfire looked like. And I just remember so vividly, like the Lord just speaking to my heart and, and he's just like, Ryan, if you just stack wood or just stack wood on this fire, you're gonna snuff it out. Like, you gotta be careful. And and what just flooded my heart is that we need wind. We need um, someone to blow on the fire and the flames that remain, the coals that have been set, they need oxygen to burn. Ryan, cry out for wind. That's what I remember writing in my journal. You can't put logs on too soon. Wait for the wind to come. Pray, seek my face. And, and, and that is where the Lord just started burdening my heart. Mary and I, we've been really burdened when it comes to prayer, just even in our own personal lives, crying out to the Lord, Lord, would you intervene in this? Would you help us in this? But not moving just beyond individually, like our hearts were burdened, like corporately, Lord. How about for our church? And it was there, Lord, yeah, you know, I wanted you to do great, mighty things. You're so capable, capable of doing that. She, I want you to just to show yourself strong, Lord. You desire to work in our lives, Lord. You desire to just do the impossible and, um, and the miraculous. But the thing that I kept coming back to is he's asking me and he's asking his church just to pray and to seek his face and to wait on him. You see, prayer is a spiritual discipline. Did you know that? It's not like our, it's, it's like going to the gym. Like I never, Carlos, where are you? Carlos is here. Like he knows this about me. He was, he was my gym buddy until I dropped him. Um, not because of anything he did. I just dropped the gym entirely. But like going to the gym, like it's a, it's a discipline to get there. There's a, you know, and that's what prayer just doesn't come natural to all of us. And so in these six weeks, starting tonight, this is going to be more of a devotional style. This is just our hearts just sharing. Um, I'm not going to be the only one speaking. Next week, uh, Mike Carroll, one of our elders, is going to be sharing. Um, but again, more devotional, less teaching necessarily, more words, kind of, of encouragement of where we sense. So obviously, there will be teaching, but, um, but just looking at prayer. And there's so many different facets to prayer. You know, you can ask the question, like, What is prayer? What is prayer for many of us, we know like I look around like you guys are seasoned veterans in the faith, like you know a lot about prayer, I think many of us could we could even like talk to each other and say uh, talk about the importance of prayer, like how important it is in the life of the believer we might not we might even know what the Bible has to say about prayer you know I, I think of Jesus when he says, "My house shall be called the house of Prayer, you guys know these things. like he didn't say, like, "My house is going to be a house of worship." Like, sorry. Um, my house is going to be a, a house of preaching or teaching." Like those things are good and they're necessary, because my house shall be called a house of prayer." I think of the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached. He told his audience, those listening, he says, "Hey guys, when you pray?" Not if you pray or like if you ever thought it, you know, imaginable in your life to fit prayer in somewhere. Though he says, when, like this is an expectation that I have on all of my followers is that they would pray. Prayer should be the normal rhythm in the life of every believer. I think of the book of Acts in chapter 2. You know, the Holy Spirit is is just breaking loose and, and people's lives are getting radically just changed and transformed by the gospel. And it's there in Acts 2.42 that the apostles, like the leaders of the church, it says that they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. To fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. prayer. I think if Charles Spurgeon famously said, I'd rather teach one man to pray than 10 men to preach. That's how much Spurgeon saw the importance of Prayer. And I think he understood the heart of God. And so again, we know these things. But if you're anything like me, you find yourself struggling to pray. It's often been said that prayer services are the least attended services of every church. And I, my prayer is that we would change that, that that would be changed by the, by the grace of God. But why is that? Why do we struggle to pray? And I think there's many reasons. And we can go around the room tonight. We could go around the room tonight and, and kind of like, hey, why do you struggle to pray? Why do you struggle to pray? And I think like the list would just be probably enormous. And I think just a couple of, of, of reasons, I think even as a kid, I'm like, prayer's boring. Like we're closing our eyes and we're kind of praying to someone like we can't see or we're talking to someone like that. For me as a kid, it was a little boring. Maybe you think prayer's boring, or maybe maybe you're too self reliant. Maybe you're just like, I don't have needs. <laughs> I know you guys, those of you who have needs, you're like, yeah, the wish. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know this. Like, we have needs, but so, sometimes maybe we just, we just think, oh, you know what? It's all going to work out in the end. I'm American. Like, you know, I've got my 401k I could cash in, or whatever. <laughs> like, or men, because this is me. I compartmentalize a lot in my life. I'm like, if I, if like something like, we have a big like trial or, something going on that's really hard in our lives. I have the amazing, and men, you might relate to me, like the amazing ability to be like, I'm gonna leave that over here (laughs) and I'm gonna live the rest of my life just like without like, and then I can come back to that anytime I want, but it's not gonna affect anything and it drives my wife crazy. She's like, are you, like, how are you doing with this? I'm like, I haven't even thought about that in like forever, like, (laughs) but we we compartmentalize. And so we were like, oh Lord, we'll just cross that bridge when we get to it. But it's my prayer, again, that this series doesn't just give us information about prayer. Because if that's all this series does is just give us a theology of prayer, then I think we've missed what God is wanting to do. But it's my prayer that together as a church family, we would grow together in prayer. So what is prayer? One pastor put it this way, prayer, it'll be on the screen, prayer is the key that unlocks deeper intimacy with God greater understanding of ourselves and true power for change. You and I have been given this amazing tool that connects us with our heavenly father. And it's in prayer that we experience intimacy with him. It's like when you think about prayer, it's like at the end of the day, we get God. Like that's incredible if you were to think about it. We get a relationship with the creator of the heavens and the earth. You know, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, the disciples just witnessed Jesus living a life of prayer. And they said, Jesus, you know, we see this in you. You've modeled this well. Would you just teach us to do the same? And I think we're gonna look at this more next week. I'm not gonna steal your thunder, Mike. Um, But he started this model. He says, our father, And that was revolutionary because in Jesus's day, you never referred to God as father. And Jesus says, now you do. Because that's who he is. He's our heavenly father and we are his beloved children. And through prayer again, we get intimacy with the father. We get his closeness and his nearness. And some of you and some of us, I would include myself, you know, we're going through, we've been through difficult seasons and yet God has given us a way to connect with him. Like, how incredible is that? I mean, this has been a heavy week just in, in, just for Mary and I. Just, just, I think the weight of the church is finally setting in. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's so many burdens that people are carrying. And I'm like, Lord, how? How do we come alongside? How do we minister? But I even think, I look around this room, and I, and I see many people in our church just struggling with cancer and physical illnesses. We've had family members, people in our church who have had family members tragically pass away this week. We have discouragements that come upon us daily. For me, this has been a super discouraging week. It's just like one thing after another, just like, I feel like deflating, deflating, deflating. But listen, prayer connects us with our Heavenly Father. He knows all things about our lives. If that isn't scary, it should comfort you. <laughs> he knows what we're going through. He cares for each and every one of us. You know, one of my favorite passages is Matthew 6. It says this, this is Jesus. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. You know, some, maybe... Maybe you came, in, you came in tonight and you're anxious about your life. You're worried about something going on in your life. Jesus says, don't, don't be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. And I love this visual that Jesus gives. They neither sow nor they, they reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they and which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? It says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spend. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was unarrayed arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, because that's true, do not be anxious, saying, what shall, we, what shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Jesus is saying we worry about so many things, and there are so many things that we could worry about, but he says there are things that we don't have to worry about. Just remember that your father, he knows your needs. Are you grateful for that? He knows your needs and he'll take care of you. Psalm 34, 17 says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. And then we know this verse, the Lord is a near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And maybe you feel like, you know, yeah, God might be around the corner somewhere. Like he's God and all, right? Like, listen, God is not only near and around the corner, but he's near and he's listening to you. He hears your cries. He hears your prayers. The Bible tells us in Revelation that God not only just listens and doesn't just go in one ear, out the other, but he collects your prayers in a bowl. That's how much they mean to him. This relationship, that we, ha- we get to have with our heavenly father. It's been said that prayer is a place to tip our full hearts over and let them spill out to God's listening ear. This week I've had a pretty full heart. And it's just being reminded that's like, that's right. We get an access, we have an avenue that we can just pour out our hearts to his ear. I think of the psalmist when David would write like, incline your ear to me. And I always, when we were going through the psalms, just thinking about the picture of just a father like bending low his ear. Like, yeah, speak to me, my son. Speak to me, my daughter. That's what God's heart is for you and I. He's saying, speak, like I'm listening. The Bible says that he's acquainted already with all of our ways. And I'm so grateful for that. And listen, tonight the Lord loves you. And he's near to you. And we have this wonderful access to our heavenly father through prayer. Would you just be reminded tonight of who he is? Be reminded of his character. I think of Matthew seven, the next chapter, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks it will be opened or which one of you if his son asks him for bread will give him a stone or if he asks you for a fish will you give him a serpent if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children I love this line how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who seek him? How much more? As we come before the Lord in prayer, we must remember that we're coming before our heavenly Father who is good all the time. He is true. He is faithful. He is loving. And I could go on and on about his good character. And Jesus made it clear here that God doesn't have to be persuaded or appeased in prayer. He wants to give us not just bread, but even more than what we could ever ask. And for some of us, you know, we might have a distorted, I don't know your story. We might have a distorted view of God. You might not view him as a father. You might just view him as this higher power as some distant creator. And if that's you tonight, I just wanna remind you I think the Lord would want to remind you that you are his child and he desires to be a father to you. Would you understand that relationship that he has designed for us to walk in? And again, this is just a wonderful tool that we've been given, that we have access to the almighty God. We have access, direct access to God. Again, prayer connects us to intimacy with the heavenly father who's good and loving and sees us, he knows us and he cares about us. Like that is good news. And not only does it connect us with the father, but prayer, I wanna move to this direction just briefly over the rest of our time, I should say. Prayer gives us an avenue to access and ask for the Holy Spirit. You know, in Luke 11, Jesus tells his disciples that the Father desires, it's like the desire of God, it's his desire to give us the Holy Spirit. And church, do you know that we need the Holy Spirit? We need more of the Holy Spirit. I think of like our church and um, I'm so blessed. Like we have an amazing church family. Do you guys agree? Like, do you know? You're like, man, I don't know. But like, no, like I see it. Like I'm just so grateful for our church. And I'm just like been praying, Lord, about just the future, seeking God. And um, Lord, what do you want to do? You know, and we can have all the cool programs. And, you know, one day, um, you know, maybe one day the Lord will give us a bigger building because we've already outgrown this one and enlarge his ministry. But listen, it's all for nothing if we don't have him. It's all for nothing if God doesn't show up tonight. Like this is for nothing if God's presence doesn't meet us here. And in order to see and to tap into all that God has for us, we have to pray. We have to seek it. We have to go to our dad and say, dad, what do you have for us? He must pray for the Holy Spirit to come, and that requires, again, waiting on him, not getting ahead of him. And we see this uh, an amazing example in the life of Jesus and his ministry. In Luke six, we find Jesus in this critical point of ministry. He's getting ready to choose his disciples. And in one sense, there was nothing like in Jesus's three years of ministry before the cross more important than this. Like who, who were the, gonna be the guys who were gonna follow him in ministry and be like the starting like planters of the church. And you know what Luke 6 tells us what Jesus did the night before? It says this in Luke 6, 12, it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. The whole night, Jesus, Jesus did. Jesus like fully God, (laughs) fully man. Yeah, he just, he doesn't simply use his infinite knowledge just to, to pick his disciples. Instead, he prayed, he's found praying all night long. Like, Father, like I know the task ahead of me. Like I know what you're asking of me, but I need your counsel, I need your wisdom. And here we see Jesus seeking the will of his father, relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself modeled this for us. In Mark's gospel, we're told that before Jesus took the disciples out to do ministry, he prayed. There was, again, this connection that he knew that he needed to have with the Father. Mark chapter 1, verse 35 says, and rising very early in the morning, because that wasn't significant enough, he says, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Let me ask you this. Did you think Jesus just got alone with the Father just to be an example for you and I? Do you think Jesus got alone with the Father? Like, I don't know if it's like, I think it's 42 separate times that we have in scripture. Don't quote me on that. I know it's in the 40s. Just to like give content to the New Testament writers? Like, I don't think so. Jesus knew that he had to get away and get connected with his Father. Jesus knew that deep intimacy, connection, power comes with being connected with God. And if you and I want to have a powerful prayer life, if we want to see the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in and through us, we must follow in the prayerful steps of Jesus. He's our example. Listen, you and I, we have a mission before us. The Lord has tasked us, he's like, go into all the world, like make disciples. We have a task as a church collectively to be salt and light to Milwaukee and Gladstone and Portland and Oregon City. Like we have opportunities, even I think this weekend at the Gladstone Community Fest, like we have opportunities, mission that he has tasked us with, commissioned us to do ministry. And I believe he desires not just to use Josh and me and Nathan and Kevin and our staff. He desires to use each and every one of you. And let me just say this, if you have this misconception that like ministry and like the important stuff is done by the staff or the pastors, you're wrong. And if that's what we've modeled for you, forgive us. Like we're here to come alongside and equip and to build you up and to do this alongside of you. But listen, we cannot move forward until we first connected with the Father. We need times where we, like like Jesus modeled for us to to go to quiet places, desolate places, secluded places where it's just us and the Lord. And that might require, like, you're like, I just can't go out to the mountains or go wherever. Like, well, that just might require waking up early. Simple things. You might be like, I'm too busy to pray. Listen, you're too busy not to pray. (laughs) I'm too busy not to pray. David Gutzik said, Jesus knew that pressure and busyness should drive us towards prayer, not from prayer. Listen, the more busy you are in life, you're like, I'm juggling so many things. That That just calls for all the more reason that you need to be praying more and seeking God, seeking his face, waiting, being empowered by the spirit. But it's in connecting with the father, being filled with the spirit that we need this before we go out and do especially ministry. I think of John 15. This is a famous passage of, that Jesus lays out this abiding relationship. How is this relationship gonna work? And he uses the vine and the branches. And he says, abide in me and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. That is staying connected to, to the vine, staying connected to our Father. Neither can you unless you abide in me. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he um, bears much fruit. But he says, "But apart from, for apart from me, you can do nothing. We need to understand that, guys, we need to be connected to the vine. We need to be connected to our Father. You know, we can do so many things in our flesh. You guys are very talented people. Um, we can do cool things in the, sake for the, you know, in the name of ministry, and the world might say, wow, like, look at them. But listen, you and I, we can do zero in our flesh that will bring glory to the Lord. Zero. We need him. We need his power. We need his wisdom. We need his leading. Again, apart from him, we have nothing and we can do nothing. The the earliest that we can, just the earlier we can get to that and understand that, the better we will be. The more I can remember that, the better pastor I will be. And again, this applies to every aspect of our lives. It doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter if you're a pastor, single parent, plumber, a student, maybe you're, you're still in the house. It doesn't matter. God desires to work in your life. He desires to use you. We're all called to the ministry. We're all called to be agents of his grace. We're all called to be salt and light, like, like I just said. He desires to work in you. He desires to use you. He desires to work collectively in us. And listen, in your life, like those areas, and we're gonna be talking a lot about prayer in the, in the next few weeks. And, you know, we, we go to the Lord in prayer. A lot of you, you have burdens on your heart, right? You have burdens on your heart. Maybe the situations that you've been praying about, maybe it looks bleak to you. You're like, I don't see how this is going to turn out. We've been talking about marriage on Sundays. You're like, it's my marriage. Like, my marriage looks bleak. I don't see it turning around Maybe it's your kids. Maybe you have a prodigal. You're like, I just don't see how this is going to turn around. I don't see him ever turning. Uh, or you're going through a financial crisis. You're like, I don't know how we're going to get out of this pickle. Like, I, it's just a lost cause. <laughs> Listen, in you, in your strength, in your efforts, in your flesh, probably is. <laughs> But the Bible says, and I and I and I said it on Sunday, that the Lord desires to do something exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, imagine, or think. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Yeah. You know, you might not have an out in your financial crisis. You might not have the fix for your marriage right now. You might not have the answer to cancer. That kind of rhymed. Sorry, I didn't plan that. But He does. He does. Would we tap into the vine? Would we stay connected to our Father? Would we be empowered by His Spirit? And listen, His heart is that we would just simply come to Him, knowing that He's a good Father. He gives good gifts to His children. You know, I think of when God's people pray, something amazing happens. When when we, as the people of God, call upon God, He does the incredible he does the unimaginable. We see that all throughout scripture and I, and I know these stories are probably gonna come up throughout this series and I can, just, I can list out a whole ton of them for you and I won't tonight, but we're just, what happens, the beauty of when God's people get desperate and they seek his face and they pray, God shows up and does the incredible. Just like, whoa. When we take time, listen church, to truly wait on him, God will show up. I think of Jeremiah 33. Call to me, the Lord says, and I will answer you. I love that. But he doesn't stop there. He says, and I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Call to me, call to me. Church, we need the Lord. If anything of value ever happens in our church or in our lives, it's gonna be because of the Lord. The question is, and this is the question I'm asking myself, is am I desperate enough? to get on my knees or do I still have Ryan the confidence in Ryan am I desperate enough like God if you don't show up we're going to be in trouble like that kind of desperate or, or is it like Lord if you don't show up it's okay because I got a sermon in my back pocket Lord, if you don't show up, it's okay because I, you know, I can just, like I said, cash out my 401k or whatever, and that will bail us out. Or, or you, know, you have like, I'm like a big backup plan. I have a backup plan for my backup plan. Like all of those things, maybe you can relate, maybe you don't. Will we trust him so completely that we're willing to put ourselves in situations where we would be in trouble if he didn't come through for us? That's the relationship that he desires us to have with him the confidence that we would place in him. You know, how often do we go about life without the help of the Lord, without the, the power of the Holy Spirit? I'm so guilty of this. Like, Lord, I, I, I never say, Lord, I got this. I'm more like, Lord, I got this. Now would you bless it? <laughs> Whoa, that's backwards. I think in Zechariah, you know, 4, six. it's not by might, Ryan. <laughs> he didn't say it to me, but I mean, kind of is. It's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Guys, we need the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know that? We need the Holy Spirit in our marriages, in our ministry. We need more. I love the song we sang. I actually asked them to sing it, so I wasn't surprised it came. But that it was just like breath of God, like breathe on us. Like that's what we need. We need the Holy Spirit to, to fall on us, to empower us, to fill us. In my devotional time um, this week, I've been in Ezekiel chapter 37, just really meditating. And if you're like, I don't know what Ezekiel 37 is, it's where the Lord shows the prophet Ezekiel a valley. And the valley is filled with dry bones, dead bones. And we all know that it's it's a picture of Israel and what the Lord's gonna do with Israel. We understand that. But something there that Ezekiel sees has been dead for a while rotten. Even Israel, like as, as the Lord kind of shared his heart, he's like, there's no hope for us. Like there's no hope for these dead bones. There's no life. There's no future. Maybe that's how you feel about your life right now. I, I don't have hope. There's only discouragement and discouragement and discouragement. Bad news after bad news. There's death. There's, there's smelliness. There's rottenness. And God tells Ezekiel, hey, see, Ezekiel, prophesy over these bones. Like, <laughs> Whoa. But Ezekiel listens. He's obedient to the Lord. He starts doing this as, just as the Lord commanded him to do. And all of a the sudden, these dry bones, they started taking form. Tendons started growing. Flesh started appearing. Skin started like making shape of these bones. And you might think, awesome. Life, like this is incredible. Like look at the power of God. But there was something still missing. Because you can have all of the makings of a body and it still be dead. You see, these reconstructed bodies in Ezekiel's vision had the appearance of life. They looked alive on the outside, but they lacked one essential thing breath. And they had to remember that it was the breath of God that was going to fill them. And listen, to me, when I was reading that, it's been three days just been soaking in Ezekiel 37. I'm like, I read it. I'm like, oh, this is great. Like, but instantly it was like, this is a warning, Ryan. This is a warning. Yeah, we can have vision of what the Lord might, is gonna wanna do in this next season, this next chapter in our lives or in the ministry. But let's not settle for a shell. I think of... Revelation chapter three, Jesus is writing to the seven churches and he writes to the church of Sardis. And you know what he says to them? This is Jesus. He says, I know your works. I know about your shell. I know about the ministry, right? I know about the flesh and the tendons and, you know, all growing on the bones. Like I know about these things. He says, You have a reputation of being alive, but Jesus said these words, But you're dead. But you're dead. So the warning for you and I is to not settle for reputation, not to settle for programs, not to settle for a shell, no matter how alive it might look. Listen, it wasn't until God breathed into these dry bones that they had life. It wasn't until the the spirit of God blew on them that gave them life. And it's the same breath of God that breathed into Adam there in the very beginning and gave life to Adam. It's the same breath of God that breathed into these dry bones. And guess what? In John chapter 20, after Jesus resurrects from the dead, he's there meeting in the upper room with his, with his disciples and, he, and they're waiting on him and he breathes on them and, they, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Listen, church, that's what we need. That's what we need more of. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm filled with the Spirit. You need more, more Holy Spirit. We have nothing without the Spirit. But it takes us going, humbling ourselves, saying, God, I need you. And waiting and asking and just waiting and asking. Mary, we went out to coffee this morning and we were talking through this. And she reminded me of the story found in Mark chapter 9. And it says this, and someone from the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you for he has had a spirit that makes him mute. He was demon possessed. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able. And if you're his disciples, if you're there, you're Peter, you're John, you're like, oh, dang, we failed and Jesus knows it now. That, that's kind of when I was reading this, like, oh no. Like, and then Jesus so graciously, he steps in there, does the miraculous, he, he, heals this boy, the demon is cast out. But if you can just imagine, you're watching this, you're the disciples, again, you're Peter, you're John. You're like, man, like what happened? Like we did all the right things, I think. Like they're just perplexed. They're probably talking about it all day long. Like, what happened here? Why was Jesus able to do it? And then Mark 9, verse 28, it says this. And when they had entered the house, this is a little bit later, his disciples asked him privately. They're not going public with this. They're like, privately, like, come over here. Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. But I, but I did the formula. <laughs> but we gathered and we preached and we sang songs. Now, I want you to know that prayer doesn't make us more worthy to cast out demons. That's not what Jesus is saying, but it's that prayer draws us closer to the heart of God. Prayer puts us in line with his power. You see, prayer is an expression of our total dependence upon God and God alone. It's been said that we have learned how to function without the help of the Lord and it has destroyed the power of the church. I heard that when I was 14 years old and it stuck with me. We have learned how to function without the help of the Lord and it has destroyed the power of the church. Lord, forgive us. If we've been playing church, if we've been relying on our own ability, if we've been going out, you know, just trying to be witnesses to our neighbors and not doing it in the power and the strength of God himself, like, forgive us. We're not going to bring anyone to salvation. We're going to be powerless. Prayer looks to God and says, I can't, but you can. And I just think of the amazing things, church, that we would see if we would simply just wait on the Lord And go to him first, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just continually cry out to him, for him. I want to end with this story that I read this week. Uh, It's about Dwight Moody. He was a famous evangelist from Chicago. And one year he went on vacation to England. And he wasn't planning to do any preaching. He was on sabbatical but while he was in England, he met a preacher who said, hey, Mr. Moody, you're so well-known. Would you come and speak at our church? And so he preached there the next Sunday morning. And, and that afternoon, he, after he had left, after the services, Moody wrote in his journal that they were the deadest crowd he had ever seen. And that the only thing worse than preaching to those people was that he had promised to go back that night and preach again. <laughs> but he went back that night. And about halfway through the sermon, something happened. The people started coming to life. And he felt compelled to ask, hey, if there's anyone here that would like to become a Christian? And, and a lot of people stood up. And Dwight Almini's he's like, I didn't know what to do. So he said, well, maybe you don't understand what I'm asking. So when we're dismissed here, if you want to become a Christian, come over to this little room and, and meet with me. And when the service was over, he went to the room and it was packed. Wall to wall with people. Moody said to the ministry minister, what does this mean? He said, I don't know, but I think you need to preach again tomorrow night. <laughs> but the next day, Moody got on the train, went to Ireland to continue his vacation. But as soon as he got off the train, there was a memo waiting for him that said, come back, revival has broken out. So Moody, he got back on the train, went back to the church, preached 10 straight nights there, and 400 people responded to the invitation to receive Jesus. And Dwight L. Moody couldn't understand. These people were so dead. What happened? What changed? And this is the, the significant part. What he had found out is that there was an 80-year-old widow, widow named Mary Ann who had read one of his sermons in the newspaper and started praying every day that God would bring Dwight L. Moody to her church to spark revival. The power of prayer. Oh, that we wouldn't just settle for a little bones and a little tendons and a little skin. That we wouldn't settle for just a mere shell. But that we would desire the breath of God to blow through us and to give us life and that the power of the Holy Spirit would be made known. I think of, I think of Acts 1.8. Jesus told his disciples that they're going to receive power. That word power is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. You've heard that before. It's when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when you wait on me. Wait on me. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to this week's study. If you're ever in the Portland area, we would love to have you visit us for one of our services. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ccseportland.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue in our study together.